From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord, publishers and ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is every day to get together here, and we always are delighted when you find your way and make it a time together as we do right here, looking at the Word of God every day, just focusing on the things God's given us in His Word. Now, for two or three days, we've been talking about the matter of uh, getting spoiled in the Christian life and uh, using the term the way the Bible uses it as a matter of just actually being ruined. I mean, getting things so messed up by doing the wrong things. And I've been trying to identify some of the things that gets a person in trouble. And uh, we're going to look at that again in just a moment. We'll give you some additional things that the Bible tells us about getting spoiled. So let's be careful that we don't get spoiled, but at the same time, I think it's information we all need. Let me remind you that uh, coming in November, November 11 and 12, we'll have our Sword of the Lord Men's Conference right here at Sword Headquarters in Murfreesboro, and we trust that many of you guys are going to plan to be with us. The details about the conference are at swordofthelord.com on the web, and you can check it out there and a lot of other good things on our website as well. But let's look again, and of course the text around which we're building this is found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8 that says, Beware. And by the way, anytime you see a note like that in the Bible, it's like a flag of warning. It's like uh, a horn being sounded that says uh, it's time to pay attention. And he says, beware lest any man spoil you, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, I still intend to look at the details of that verse. I mean, every item in it expresses some things that we need to be aware of. But I'm also wanting to work through these items that uh, just really make spoilage a real possibility in any person's life. And we already started working through some key points as found in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And uh, I want to just rehearse here briefly. The first one of those we looked at was the matter of slippage, Hebrews 2.1. We talked about faithlessness in Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. We talked about disobedience, chapter 4 of Hebrews and verse 11. And then yesterday, we also talked about the matter of stagnation, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. So today, we're going to look at the first point, and this will be one that some of you maybe have a little difficulty acknowledging. In fact, I think all of us would be a little hesitant to admit that we're lazy, but there is something about that in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 12, the Bible says very pointedly that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So that word slothful has to do with just being lazy, really, just sloughing off and not doing what we ought to be doing. Instead of being lazy, the Bible says we need to have mentors, men of the past, heroes of the past, if you will, who serve so well that they are good examples for us, and they're worthy of us looking to them for leadership and for direction. But whenever you and I uh, find ourselves just uh, really maybe bored, whatever, we're just going through the motions on things, it's so easy to just 
put things off, delay things, lounge around, not do what we're supposed to do. And this whole concept of laziness, I mean, it's a big factor in the Christian life. Well, I intend to do that, but not now. That's the way it happens so often. Now, let's look at another one here. Also in the book of Hebrews, this time in chapter 8 and verse number 12. And this one says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, the deal here is sometimes you and I are forgetful. And when we are forgetful, it puts us in a position where we may wind up spoiled. That is, things not going well. And when we get to that point where we do not remember who we are, what we have in Christ, we forget that we are sinners, but we're forgiven. We forget that we were hell-bound, but we're no longer hell-bound. We are now heaven-bound, and when we forget that— I mean, the Lord says in this passage that He will not remember our sins and iniquities anymore, and when you and I forget who we are, who we were, and what we have become in Christ Jesus, that poses a problem that many times leads to a spoiled Christian life. Let's look also at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. This one, I'm just going to use the one word of distractions. This verse says, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, the second coming is a biblical teaching. It is a fact that is going to unfold in the future at some time. You say, when is that going to happen? I do not know, neither does anyone else. God the Father has that information that he keeps to himself. He hasn't told us when, but I will tell you this. It could happen any time. It might happen in the next minute. It may happen in the next millennium. I'm not sure, and there's no way to be sure about exactly when the Lord's going to come. What I can be sure about is it is a reality that is coming. It will unfold one day just as the Lord has said that it would. And whenever you and I get distracted and forget about that, it's very likely that we will get careless in our behavior, careless in our service to the Lord, careless in our faithfulness. And whenever we get careless, then we are bordering on spoilage. We're bordering on messing up our testimony. We're bordering on getting to the point where our Christian life no longer honors the Lord, but maybe even embarrasses the Lord. And that is what we want to avoid. And so whenever we think about passages like this that tell us that Christ did what he did the first time, he did that for us when he went to the cross, when he resurrected. But when he comes the second time, he's going to come and receive us unto himself, as another Bible passage says. So what we have here is just a reminder to us to not get distracted. Now, I also want to point out, the Bible has some very pointed instruction in the next chapter, chapter 10 of Hebrews, in verses 24 and 25. And again, we have an item here that leads toward and leads to the kind of spoilage that we're talking about avoiding, and verse 24 and 25 tells us, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And let me pause there just to say, you and I have a responsibility to do what we can to encourage others, to motivate others, to strengthen others in their walk. And he says, let's consider one another. And let's do what we can to provoke them unto love and to good works. Get them working like they need to. And here's the key to that. Verse 25 that follows it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we see the coming of Christ just getting closer and closer, inch by inch, day by day, we need to be even more vigilant, even more diligent, even more excited, even more faithful than we've ever been before. And he says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why is that? Because whenever you and I determine that we're going to be a Christian, but we're going to be a lone wolf, we're going to be a lone ranger, we're not going to have any companionship, we're not going to have any fellowship, we're just going to go out and do what we want to do, and we'll do it on our own, we'll isolate ourselves. Let me tell you what happens with that. You and I, number one, are not going to do very well. But the second thing is, we're not going to produce much. Uh, The fact is, I can't do much by myself. Uh, How many missionaries would be supported? How many local churches would be having an impact in their town, in their city, in their neighborhoods? How many if it was just one person? I mean, one person can get something started. One person can begin to draw other people around them and build a church. But but just one person alone for a lifetime, I'm telling you, the impact is going to be small. It's going to be so tiny that you're going to just uh, can't imagine that uh, you're not going to produce any more than that. So what we're looking at here is we have to get together. We have to be a part of a local church because, after all, I mean, you read this passage, and uh, there's no question what it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We need the camaraderie. We need the mutual benefit that comes by mixing and mingling with other Christians and by joining hands with them in the work. Now, I know sometimes people look at it and they say, well, the people in our church, they're not strong, or maybe they're this or they're that, or there's a hypocrite or two or whatever. Well, folks, look, I find those same people at the supermarket. I find those same people at the mall. I find those same people at the barbershop. I find those same people everywhere I go. And whenever I go to church, listen, the church is not a museum where we display the artifacts of the saints. It's not that at all. The church is a hospital for people, and whenever we are doing what we ought to be doing, there'll be people with all kinds of hurts and heartaches and burdens and all kinds of things going on in their life. I mean, where should they be? Well, they should be at church, and uh, they may be involved in alcohol or drugs or whatever. They still need to be at church because they don't have any other means of getting out of all of the trouble that they're in. I mean, they're not going to get it to the fast food place. They're not going to get it where they fill up their car with gasoline. They're not going to get it at the local hospital. No, it's the church that provides the means whereby that people with those issues can get relief and can get redeemed and get rescued from those problems. And so let you and I get off our high horse and not be thinking so high and mighty that we can't make room for people who have these problems. I mean, after all, if we've got our act together, if we're mature in Christ, we ought to be able to handle the fact that you've got a bunch of people streaming through the door at your church that are not mature and maybe are not even on track at all. We're glad to have them there, and we're going to preach the message to them that they need to hear and do everything we can to encourage them in the right direction. So listen, there's a big, big benefit to doing what this passage says and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The word that I use over this verse is the word absenteeism. If you are absent from the house of God, number one, you are not going to do as well. And secondly, you're going to be less effective in what you do in helping others. And remember, the verse ahead of that says, let us consider one another. 
Let us consider one another. Let us provoke one another into love and good works. So we're supposed to be working together. We're supposed to be working for the Lord to minister to these other folks that are around us whenever we gather at church. Uh, we walk through the door. Sure, we want to be blessed. Sure, we want to be encouraged. Sure, we like for folks to be friendly to us. But let me turn that around just a little bit. And let's all be friendly to each other. Let's all encourage one another. Let's all strengthen one another. Let's all contribute to the well-being of that local church and to the folks who are there. And if somebody is really down and out, then it's a bigger job to get them where they need to be. But the Lord is able to do that. He's able to help people no matter who they are, where they are, what kind of shape they're in. And the result of that is you and I can be a part in helping to get folks from where they are to where they need to be. If you and I are lazy, if you and I are forgetful, if you and I get distracted, if you and I are AWOL that is absent from church, then we are ourselves putting ourselves in a position where we are far more likely to be spoiled, as Colossians 2.8 uses the word, spoiled, and meaning by that, that we are doing damage to our testimony and to our living of the Christian life. Well, we'll look at just a couple of more items here, and then we'll get back to that uh, Colossians 2.8 passage and look at the details of that on the broadcast tomorrow. And I hope that you'll join me then. Listen, we just need to dig through this stuff and do our best to get hold of it so that we can walk with the Lord and serve Him in a good way. So thank you for being along today. I would love to send you a sample copy of our Sword of the Lord newspaper, and I will do so if you'll just ask for it. I'll send it free of charge. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.